Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. It's Tuesday at two. It's time for the Nonprofit Exchange. We're in Virginia on the East Coast, a USA Eastern Time. And every Tuesday, we interview someone who's got some wisdom, experience, specialized knowledge that will help us as leaders to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Today, Stephen Kowalski is going to, well, I'm going to let him tell you. Stephen, tell people a little bit about who you are and introduce the topic for today's show. Thanks. So we're talking about, uh, I'm Stephen Kowalski. We're talking about creative leadership and how we can leverage our creativity more effectively together with others uh, to create the futures we seek. Uh, I started this work out, I started my life as really an artist. I thought I would be an artist and realized I was a little bit more interested in the psychology of creativity. So I became a student of creativity um, all the way up through my doctoral dissertation, which is on the topic, how our beliefs about creativity and who we are as creators influence our creative action. Uh, so uh, then I took that into the world of business and work. And I've been working with scientists and engineers and IT folks and nonprofit folks and uh, business professionals for many, many years, uh, helping them open their access to their creativity, change the story, as I said, of who they are as a creator and, uh, and learn to create more effectively with others. That's uh, a key piece of this because there's a myth that we can create alone. And in fact, it's, it's a myth. We can't create alone. We need to create together. And especially in this world, the way things are changing, getting creative together is where our true strength is going to lie. So my purpose and passion is to bring this message and to bring the skills and tools to folks that I've learned over the almost 30 years now that I've been working in this arena. Wow. So you speak about conscious creativity. Can you say more about that? Yes. Most of us are walking around with what I call in the book Creative Together, CDD. Uh, creativity disruption disorder. And what creativity disruption disorder is, or CDD, it's a constellation of myths and beliefs and sort of uh, wrong ideas about what creativity is. Um, and so uh, when we get conscious with our creativity, we start to understand the ways that it's actually playing out in our life on a daily basis, the, the places where we are being creative already, and the places where we can become more creative um, if we want to. And that involves putting attention. So for me, conscious creativity is when I'm bringing attention and intention to my creative efforts, to my partnerships, to the work that I'm doing with customers and stakeholders and everything. I'm bringing this uh, greater uh, choice, greater sense of choice, greater sense of proactivity, uh, taking accountability for the opportunities that I have, whether I capture them or not. Um, I'm moving from uh, maybe what we might call a life is happening to me orientation to a life is happening by me orientation, where I have agency. Maybe I'm not in complete, I'm not in control of everything that happens, but I have agency to, to create the results that I want with others. And so conscious creativity is really about uh, working that process, working my relationship with my creativity with awareness. So you've got a copy of your book behind you. You have one you can hold up? Yes, I do. Just happen to have it. 
and people can certainly find it. I'm going to send people your website later, but they can find it there. But I'm sure you can find it on where you buy books like Amazon. Absolutely. So um, we talked a little bit about this before we started the show. Um, our audience are a lot of creatives that are visionary leaders. So how does a, a creative person, a visionary person, connect the dots to make it happen? Do we need to bring on, and, and you're talking about working together, which in my world energizes the creative spirit, but also it helps the creative and the tactical come together. So what what ideas do you have for people who want to be more creative, but how do they really get things done? Yes, well, a lot of people think that creativity is just about having the ideas, and, and actually that's not the way it works. Uh, we, have a, we have a purpose. Uh, we have a purpose that drives our creativity, that brings our creativity forward. There are so many different purposes uh, that are around. And sometimes that purpose is something that's outside of us, kind of impinging on us, like a pandemic or uh, you know, some, something that happens. And, and our creativity needs to come forward into those circumstances. And sometimes the you know, creativity comes forward in relationship to a purpose we design for ourselves. Uh, we want to, uh, maybe the, maybe I'm working in a nonprofit that's raising funds for uh, cancer research, or I have an ambition, you know, a 10-year ambition to create a certain result in the world, some social change. Um, maybe I'm working to advocate for change. Uh, so that purpose can be something that's inside of us, or it can be something that comes uh, comes to us. And when when we have ideas, uh, they, they form in relationship to our purpose. Uh, so the purpose is critical. And, and then it, it drives the possibilities, which is one part of the equation. But then there are constraints. And a lot of people don't necessarily think of creativity as um, in relationship to constraints. But really, not much we do in our lives is, is free of constraints. And so it's the relationship of the purpose, the possibility, and the constraints that bring our creativity forward. And then, then the trick is to implement you know, what, we've, what we've created. And that's where execution sort of starts to blend with discovery. So uh, you know, I can ideate all I want, but if I'm gonna generate some value in this world, I actually have to execute, I have to implement. And yeah, but most people don't also look for the creative opportunities inside of the implementation and the execution, there are so many. That is brilliant. If you're really creative, then get inside and use your creativity to make it happen. Yeah, the creativity doesn't stop when I have the big idea. It keeps going and we, we need it throughout implementation. We need it to execute. We need to scale. We need it to make our solutions sustainable. Uh, yeah, so uh, people people sometimes have this misconception that it's about the ideas or or living in a land of possibilities, but that's not the case. You mean sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> so so you work um, with a lots of different segments. You uh, scientists, engineers, business leaders, professionals across um, you know different different channels, different professions, nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So is there a common um, you talked about limits. Is there a common problem that limits people's access to their creative potential? Yeah, and I think I referred to it when I talked about CDD. It's the biggest blocks are inside our own heads. 
and the stories we have been told about what creativity is and the stories we believe about what it is and uh, the limits we place on ourselves. So here's a great example. Most of us walk around thinking that creativity is an ability and it's spread across the population in some kind of normal distribution, like a bell curve. Some people are less creative, some people are more creative, lots of people are kind of in the middle. It's totally false. It's, it's the old story of what creativity is. Actually, creativity is a potential that we all have access to. It, what that means, it, it, the, the shift from an ability-based definition to a potential-based definition completely frees me from comparing myself to other people, from feeling elite in some way or less than in other ways. Uh, if we all have this potential, then what's true is that it's about the circumstances in our life, the circumstances we create and the circumstances of our life. If I'm stuck in a rut, if I'm stuck in a routine, right, my creativity doesn't really need to show up. But if I'm challenging myself, if I'm learning, if I'm pressing forward, if I'm daring to dream big, if I'm working for social change, uh, you know, my creativity needs to be there with me. And so, yeah, I think people limit themselves by thinking, oh, it's only for one domain. Uh, you can't, you know, creativity is not about changing the light bulbs or figuring out a better way to change the light bulbs. Yes, it actually is. It's about the little things in life. It's about the big things in life. So let me put in a specific situation. There's me in my background. If you're on the audio, it's me standing in front of an orchestra and you're looking at me from my better side, which is my back. So um, musicians are often mispigeonholed as right side brain, way creative. But if you really think about it, you've got a very rigid structure, like a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. So you've got to operate within this rigid structure without violating the rules and be creative within that. So is, that's not just a niche only for programmers and musicians, but how do people, you, you mentioned using your creative ability to, to create the implementation strategy. So we've got the right brain and you know left brain working together. What limits people on their ability to do that? To create through implementation or through execution? Or using both sides of your brain. Oh. You know, we got to think, we have to think uh, now, not everybody's <laughs> going to be able to do that. And I grew up having to do that. So you've, you've got this creative idea, but there's a tactical piece. So sometimes we want to partner, we got skills and we gaps. We want to partner with somebody who's got that really good gap, but we, we all have ability to do some of both, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, that that's critical. And we, we spend our lives in spaces of discovery and exploration, and we spend our lives in places uh, of spaces of execution and implementation and routine. Uh, our creativity wants to wants to come forward. It wants to show up when we're working to change the status quo in some way, when we're doing something new, when we're uh, when we're changing things, when we want to make a difference. Right. So, if if again, if there's no reason for my creativity to show up in my life, if I'm going through the routine or or I'm just following the rules, I might think I'm not that creative. But actually, we are. We're highly creative. It's just that particular day or that particular week or that particular year, we might not be in touch with some of the places where we are because we've got this idea that you know it, it's it's for artists or it's for musicians or. It's for a scientist or marketing people or something like that. So again, we limit ourselves 
by these beliefs that we have. And, and that's what that's what Creative Together is really about, is helping people start to get in there and examine their beliefs and, and change the story. So our my co-host, David Dunworth, is here, and he'll be asking a question in a minute. I'm not going to hog, hog them all. He, he'll give you the hard ones. So um, he's the chair of our, our board of Center Vision Leadership. Okay. Somewhere I've some, seen that you've uh, talked about gifted methodology. How does that work? Well, turns out that the roots of our understanding of creativity uh, come out of the 40s and 50s in uh, some literature that appeared in journals of giftedness. And so you would have you would have uh, articles about creativity in a, in like the Journal of the Gifted Child, and in these kinds of uh, in these kinds of academic uh, venues. Again, this promoted this idea that creativity was somehow an ability a kind of giftedness. So in order to play on that, I actually used that gifted idea and said, no, um, it's not a kind of giftedness. It's actually that we're all gifted with this amazing potential that we can learn to use and leverage more fully in our lives. And so the gifted methodology is kind of the flow of the, the book is, is written as a methodology to reclaim our creativity. And so the G stands for greet the unknown with passion instead of dread. Many of us avoid the unknown. Uh, we don't think about how powerful and how much opportunity there is in the unknown. We're afraid of it. We try to avoid it. So greet the unknown with passion is the G. I stands for ignite your creative potential. And there's a lot we can do to bring more conscious awareness to how creativity gets activated and how we can activate it. The F stands for flex your superpowers. We have these great superpowers that amplify our creativity. So how do I flex those, especially when tests show up along the way? The T stands for thrive in co-creation. So that's the part where we're creating together. E stands for experiment in the swamp. So we are all gonna get stuck in quicksand, in the dark spaces. Sometimes those are interior and sometimes they're, uh, they show up as uh, resistance or protecting or territorialism or some of that, what I call organizational sludge. So experiment in the swamp, that's the way out. And then the D stands for dare to dream big, which I imagine would resonate well with uh, the folks who are listening today. So G-I-F-T-E-D. Well, maybe or maybe not. Sometimes the word nonprofit puts us into scarcity thinking and we need we need some encouragement to break out of that mold. And you're doing that today. You're giving us, come on, you can do this. Just, you know, we have hidden potential. We need somebody like you to help us think about it. And uh, you're an organizational development consultant. So you have systems and you've been doing this, what, 25 years? Yes. And I bet you got lots of stories. If we had a long podcast, we could get into some of them. But we're going to skirt the, um, let David ask a question. Before that, um, what do you mean that creativity is activated at the intersection of purpose, possibility, and constraint? Yeah, we talked a little bit about purpose and how purpose gets us going. I, I jotted down a few uh, partner with people differently, create new partnerships, expand uh, the engagement in the programs and services I offer, influence policy changes, raise funds in a new way. I was working with a cancer uh, research funding organization, and during the pandemic, walks didn't work. You know, so they had to rethink how they were going to go about raising funds. 
starting a starting a new business. I mean, there's so many healing a relationship. There's so many purposes for our creativity to show up. We just don't even think of those as like a reason why our creativity should show up, but it is. So once we have a purpose, then we kind of back and forth, toggle back and forth between possibility and constraint. And some people are more possibility oriented and some people are more constraint oriented. We, as I said, we tend to think that the possibility oriented folks are the ones who are the creatives, but that's not true. It's really in the space between possibility and constraint and the guardrails, the rules, uh, things that are non-negotiable for maybe all the right reasons, uh, things that are negotiable that we think are non-negotiable, but they really are, right? So constraints, uh, possibilities, the land of, of ideas and opportunities and, and options and so forth. And those two things have to be worked in relationship to the purpose. And that's where creativity actually happens in the intersection. Learning to dance in that intersection is really the key. Wow. David Dunworth, um, um, this is in your ballpark. I bet you have, you're loaded up with a good question. Well, you know what? Um, you you kind of usurped me a, a little bit, Hugh, in that in my, uh, in my moments of listening, I said to myself, well, is it a myth then between that right brain, left brain business? Because it's such a strong statement that's been made over, I'm sure, millennia. Um, and that even the right brain people are more left-handed than they are right-handed. And I happen to be creative. I happen to be left-handed. And, but I can also see that I'm very logical. So I guess not thinking about what you uh, shared with us prior to this begins to make up, make that myth go away. And I, I full, you know, more, more uh, aptly appreciated and accepted. Uh, but uh, let me ask you this, from a creative standpoint, your your statement was that we need to create together. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot just for a second and see if you can fight your way out of this paper bag. I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. You're a writer. Yes. I create on my own. Mm -hmm. I research. I explore. I utilize my thought process and produce my finished product. How do I utilize that and have others participate? Am, am I to assume that my the people that I research are those collaborators or, or what? Can you clear that up for me? Yes. Uh, so I, I follow the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey uh, metaphor a lot and use that in my life. When I'm working on something by myself, I have allies. I call those my superpowers. The superpowers of creative license, the superpowers of seeing beyond the apparent, superpowers of asking great questions, and the superpower of learning, right? So I feel like I have allies when I'm doing my part by myself. And then there are lots of allies that I have out in the world that sometimes I don't think to leverage. So my own journey with writing, I wrote 90 pages single space before I came up for air and thought, I'm writing a book about creating together and I'm doing it completely on my own. I should, I should like get some, some input here, right? Uh, and so I was falling into my own trap in a way, my own test. And 
And so I did show the book to a, a book coach. I showed it to a couple of people. And then other people kind of got wind of what I was doing. And they started asking me, hey, can I see what you're writing? And that reaction that I had inside of myself, like, oh, it's not ready, or I can't show it yet. Right. All of those things are part of the things we need to let go of if we want sure. to leverage creating together. So sharing, not protecting, not, uh, you know, sometimes seeking credit. Um, I see that a lot in organizational life. People are looking for credit and so they hoard knowledge or they keep things to themselves or they protect it, right? The, we, we will continue to get stronger the more we start to open all that up, the more we start to let the boundaries go. I'm not saying we have to, uh, you know, crowdsource our writing or, uh, you know, crowdsource everything or do hackathons for everything, right? But we have these inner allies, these superpowers, and then we have way more allies out in the world that we can form partnerships and ask people for input and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe learn to let go a little bit, learn to take others' ideas and let them actually shape our process and, and sometimes not shape our process, right? You know, so anyway, th that, those are some thoughts on your question, David. Great question. Love it. Love it. Love it. I told yeah, you thank you. Thank you. You beat that bag to death. Okay, good <laughs> job. I warned you, but you were, you were on that one. So go back to, um, you mentioned the superpowers in your book. Tell us the name of the book again. Creative Together. I'll hold it up for folks. Creative Together, Sparking Innovation in the New World of Work. Stephen Kowalski. And... Uh, yeah, cut, cut that down. So you talk about the superpowers in your book. Now, talk about them. What are they again? And how does that amplify your creative potential? Right. One of my favorites is the first one I talk about in Creative Together called Creative License. And this is where we play with the rules. We bend, we bust, we break if necessary. Uh, we. It, the interesting thing about creative license is it requires a measure of courage right? Because we're going to go against the grain. And there has to be a good, in my book, there has to be a good, not in, not in, my, in my world, uh, there has to be a good reason for me to break the rules, right? Um, and some rules, as I said earlier, some, some things are non-negotiable for all the right reasons. But when I'm ex exercising my superpower of creative license, I'm doing it with good intent, positive intent, and I'm looking for the play in the system and I'm playing with the system. So that's creative license. And I can do that by improvising, by asking uh, great questions, by uh, making stuff up and, and prototyping and testing, right? There's so many ways for me to exercise creative license. Oftentimes we, we just think, oh, well, that's the way they, we've always done it, or that's the way it has to be done or whatever. We have, there is more play in the system than we imagine. The next uh, superpower is questions. And the, the highlight there is the question we ask, the question we ask yields a certain kind of answer. So if I ask a yes, no question, I'm asking for a yes, no answer. If I ask a how might we question, like a famous IDO question, how might we invent a, a you know a shopping cart that works better than the ones we have now, right? You're you're aiming towards solutions. The how might we question will generate a lot of solutions as opposed to a what if question, which asks us to imagine some possibility without necessarily turning it into a solution yet. 
right? We have leading questions. Don't you think that Susan was right when she said uh, that we should go left? You know, that's a leading question. And if I'm in a, I'm a leader and I'm in a position of power, who's going to argue with me, right? We're all going to go, oh, well, yeah, we think Susan is right, you know? So leading questions, probably one of the more dangerous questions. Uh, but we have such power in the questions we ask, and we could use that power more consciously. Seeing beyond is one of my favorite superpowers as well. Uh, that's when we look near, we look right in front of our eyes and say, what are we all missing? Uh, then we can look what I call looking clear, which is looking through our filters and biases and assumptions and seeing things you know, fresh or, in, or as they are without the color or the history we've we brought to it. And then there's looking far, which is looking around the corner, around the corner to see what might be coming and how we can bring something forward that gives value in that, in that world and be prepared. So that's uh, seeing beyond the last one, learning. Of course, learning is often for me the, the, the goal of so much of what I do, right? A lot of people are, are, are sort of swept up in performance and performing, right? But if I take a learning orientation to life, uh, everything that happens has value for me to, to make me and us better, right? So learning is, a, is, is, is truly what, probably one of the more powerful superpowers. Yeah, so those are the superpowers. Absolutely. We've got another question and then we'll, this has gone really fast and it's so, so packed with useful information. And so how do our creative styles getting, get in the way of our creative leadership? Mm. Yeah. In the book, I talk about creative styles and how these styles have formed in relationship to our upbringing into the social systems that we engage in. So maybe uh, I'm, I'm a soloist. I like to create alone, or I think I'm, you know, I think I'd like to create into the place where I have some measure of control. Think about a teacher in their classroom. It's a great example of someone who's a soloist um, or who ca can be a soloist. Uh, the, another style is the rebel. So my creativity gets activated by the gap between what is and what should be, sort of with a sense of justice, right? And, and I come up with all kinds of ideas based on you know this this desire to correct or or somehow fix the wrong you know and or bring things into greater alignment uh there's the entrepreneur um, who looks at the system and sees opportunity in the system whether that's to improve customers experience or to bring something forward that's new um entrepreneurs can uh become a little bit too attached to their own vision and have trouble letting it go when it needs to scale, right? So, and then the fourth style is the collaborator. Um, and I found in my research, my doctoral research, many fewer collaborators in our Western world. These are folks who don't need to attribute the generation of an idea to someone. Like, if that was my idea. Uh, collaborators don't need to do that. They're part of, of uh, bringing something forward and, and sort of realize it's all of us together and I don't need to insert my ego into the process. I can be a participant, I can be a witness. I'm making a difference by being here, uh, right? And, and so collaborator, what I say in the book is we need more collaborators in our world today. And, and that means we have to let go of this ego attachment to our ideas and we have to um, embrace others' ideas. Think about how powerful it is to say, 
I'm here to, to generously support your priorities. Many times I find that folks are there to, to support or advocate for their own priorities. So, yeah. I don't think people understand the power of collaboration and really therefore don't know how to do it. So that's a big area of emphasis right now. And funders are looking for projects where people are collaborating. So Stephen, you've given us a whole lot in this short period of time. So people can find you and your website is your name, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kowalski, K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I.com. And there's a, there's a guy looking through a, really a, a maze of colors, but there's a lot on your page. Your, there's the book, the Creative Together book. Now, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it hard. There's so much stuff. I don't know how people can do any of this without getting your book. And it's new thinking. It's structured. You know, it's structured in a way where anybody can understand it, and it's a valuable tool. And, and this last one, this collaborative piece, that's it's so timely right now. So stephenkowalski.com, Creative Together, Sparking Innovation in the New World of Work. So, and you get join his mailing list. So there's there's ways that you can follow up with Stephen. And I'm sure you'll follow up with people if they want to contact you. So as a takeaway, what, what would you like to share with our listeners as we're ending this really helpful podcast? I think the big message is you are highly creative. We're all highly creative. It's there when we need it. And so let's start using it together. Uh, let's start daring to dream big. Let's start uh, tackling some of the challenges in our world that require us to work together. Uh, that's probably my message to folks. Uh, enjoy this amazing uh, gift that we've been given of our creative potential. Wise words, encouraging words, helpful words. Stephen Kowalski, Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>